today I'm going to be talking about dealerships and the scams and conspiracies which have been levied against us by our own government. Did you know that you cannot legally buy a vehicle straight from a manufacturer such as Ford, for instance? Not until you told me. Well, it's true. Unfortunately, the government has come to the conclusion in its great amount of wisdom that the best way to make sure that there's a free and fair market is to regulate that you cannot buy a car straight from the manufacturer. It has to go through a dealer first. So even when you order a vehicle online from somewhere like Ford and you have, you know, the make and model and all that sort of thing that you want and all the options, you still have to place your order through a dealer. And this was caused by way back in the 1950s, the auto manufacturers were picking up and they said, we've got to find some way to get all of these vehicles out onto the, uh, the roads and all of that. But we don't really want to fund the overhead for making our own dealerships. So they decided to offload everything onto the private dealerships by actually lobbying governments, saying state governments, saying that if they don't put these franchise protection laws in place and allow the dealer to compete directly with the manufacturers, you'll have mom and pop dealerships that, you know, saving every penny, building up a good amount of reputation in their home community and all that stuff other hard work that a dealership will be able to come in, set up their own thing, slap their brand name on there and sell everything at a much lower price, undercutting the mom and pop place and just killing local commerce. Well, the funny thing is they were lobbying against themselves, essentially. What they're saying is, well, you got to put this restriction on us or else we're going to make too much money. Well, that never happens. <laughs> Nobody ever lobbies and says, you know what? I think I might be able to abuse this in the future to make too much money. So you better stop me. That's not how it works. They wanted dealerships to be the middleman. So that way the middleman would incur a lot of the costs that they would have to accrue by running their own dealerships. So by offloading it onto the dealers and then for, from there, the dealers that would then offload it onto the consumer, they would save themselves a lot of money in the interim, even though it would at the very end make the product more expensive, it was better for them. So that's the real reason behind it. But that's not where the sketchiness of dealerships even comes close to an end. Because this has led to a significant fallout, which um, I don't think anyone foresaw at the time. But now that dealerships are mandated and you have to go to a dealership, dealerships have become some of the most scummy and bad managed places that you can find in all of retail across the nation. They consistently rank at the bottom or near the bottom of every consumer financial review across the country. They just have terrible customer satisfaction. And the reason is when you are mandated that you can only buy from dealerships, dealerships have taken advantage of that. And this system that was set up supposedly to protect these small dealerships doesn't work in reality, what we have now is a lot of conglomerates. They're still the mom and pop dealership, but the majority of them are actually becoming more and more consolidated in these mega dealerships, which kind of defeats the whole purpose. Now you have these big dealerships that still swoop into town and drive out all these smaller dealerships out of business. It's exactly the same as if the manufacturers were doing it, but it's just a big dealership and you have to go to the dealer. You'd can't go straight to the manufacturer and you're stuck with this massive dealership you haven't protected the little guy and the big dealership still rips you off now you understand where we're at 
Eric, would you believe that it gets worse? Of course. <laughs> it gets much worse. So dealerships are known for their high fees, right? You've heard of how expensive their fees are. Mm -hmm. But would you believe that that isn't really where they make biggest money? Not the fees. It's not selling cars either. Uh, what is it? It's selling loans. They're not in the car selling business. They're in the loan selling business. Really? So, so most they people make, finance. I mean, they make more money through, I guess, interest than actually just selling the vehicle. Or, or what's the purpose of the whole, they make more off a loan? It is partially the interest. They don't actually finance it. They'll generally finance it through a bank, but they get a commission from the bank. They have a markup on interest rates. So if you go to a dealership and you get a loan through the dealership, you will actually be paying a higher interest rate than if you just went and got a car loan from your bank that you normally bank at. So when you go into a dealership, the money that they make is in the fine print. It's all in the paperwork and all the add-ons. It's really not the vehicle that they make their biggest profit margins on, even though they sell it at outrageously high prices. As you'll know, the MSRP of vehicles has been climbing and climbing and climbing. Well above the cost of manufacturing, there is a huge profit margin that is being made on the MSRP, but that's not where they're making their money. Well, or at least that's not where they're making all of it. A huge portion of their profit comes from the fact of the four boxes is what I call them. I think that I many different ways that people refer to them, but there's four parts of the loan when you go into it that they pad a whole lot of profit right into this. And most people are full victim to their loan selling schemes. This is probably the crux of the conspiracy right here. How much you end up paying for in your loan. So most people, I'm assuming, buy vehicles on an auto loan. Most people have an auto loan. Mm -hmm. But the, the way that they get you is they don't talk about interest rates. They don't talk about, you know, how much you're paying for your car. The, they kind of talk about the down payment and how much you can afford on the down payment. But the big thing they talk about is your monthly payment, right? Yeah. So they ask, you know, what are you looking for for a monthly payment? And they'll bargain with you on that. And you go, well, you know, that's too high. They go, well, what's your interest rate and all of that sort of thing? We can only go this much. Let me talk to my boss and see if I can get that down for you. And he says, okay, I want to talk to my boss. We can get that and we'll push out your repayment loan bit a few months you know, or a year or whatever. And we'll bring down your um, monthly payment to this amount. That's where all the bargaining happens. That's where they make their money is they get you to focus on your monthly payment and how many months or years you're going to be making those payments. Because remember, I said it was four boxes, right? And by distracting you by only looking at two of them, how much you're paying in a month and how many months you're paying for, you're missing half the bargaining right there. The other two things is how much you're putting down on the vehicle, how much the vehicle's costing. Because I was just discussing how the MSRP is too high. They sell things above the MSRP to start with, and you're not even bargaining that amount. If instead you wanted your monthly payment to be lower, you could just bargain down the amount of the you're going to pay for the car and how much the, loan's, the size of the loan is going to be, and you could bring down your monthly payment that way. But they start messing with the bargaining of how long it's going to pay, and they trick people into not even bargaining for how much they're going to pay for the vehicle. Then they hmm. also will, and that, that's, that's just the beginning, <laughs> because I also mentioned the down payment. Most people trade in their vehicle 
right? And they accept the amount that the person gives them for the trade-in. Like, yeah, we'll give you a $5,000 trade-in on your car. How much mm-hmm. is your car worth, Eric? Do you don't know, know off the top of your head? Nope. Yeah. Most people, when they go in the trade the car, they don't know what their car's worth. And so they offer them well below what their vehicle's worth. So they're selling their car high, selling your car low, extending out your payments, so you're paying more in interest, and they're lowering your monthly rate. You get a bargain, right? <laughs> so they really don't want you focusing on those two parts how much you're paying for it, and how much your car is being paid for. Because if you could raise up the value of your own vehicle and get the appropriate amount that you're doing your trade-in for, well, that's the same as increasing your down payment, which is the same thing as, you know, lowering your monthly payment. Just to to give you an idea of, well, before I get into that, there's one more thing. Of course, we all know that new vehicles depreciate almost half of their value, if not more, in the first five years, right? I assume so. Yeah, it's about... five years vehicles will lose half their value but they still have the majority of their life left so it's kind of an odd thing i think it's because vehicles are priced so high when they're inflated so high in their price for being new that what's going on is the vehicle is dropping in value to match where it actually should be because new vehicles should not be as expensive as they actually are Mm. so that's really what's going on not depreciating value it's just you know shrinking to meet its actual fair market value so if you were to buy a two thousand dollar, uh, not two thousand dollar, a twenty thousand dollar brand new car. Which I don't know if there's very many of those around. Most vehicles are way more expensive than that, brand new. Sure. And you were to get like four point two five yearly monthly interest rate on your car, and you were to finance it for sixty a month, and you were to put four thousand dollars down, you, the amount that you'd pay in interest over the whole thing would actually be eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah, eighteen hundred dollars in interest. Which is really where they start making their money because, as I was saying before, if you finance your vehicle through them, they go to a bank later and say, okay, we're financing this guy's car for him. Here's the amount of money that we're needing and give us a, you know, what his interest rate will be. So the bank will say, here it is. And then they'll add on a markup interest rate. So there's an article that was written by U.S. News, and they covered this pretty well. So I was just going to read out a little bit what they said on it. They said, when a car buyer finances a car through a dealership, sign a contract with the dealer, purchase the loan. In the vast majority of cases, the dealer goes and gets the funding for the loan by selling the contract to a third party, a bank. They also will discuss your interest rates with the bank, and then they'll give them their rate considering the purchaser's financial history. And what most people don't know is the bank will, let's say, put it at 4%, right? But will permit the dealer to charge up to 6.5% in interest. So the markup in the interest rate is generally 2.5%. And all they're doing is setting up the loan for you. If you were to go straight to that financial institution, an extra 2.5% on the loan, you wouldn't have to pay that. That is a markup on interest rates. For what? The fact that they went and got a loan for you? Why is that worth 2.5%? That's more than a 50% increase. Hmm. on just the interest rate. So what are they actually doing when they say they're going to go talk to their manager about the loan and then they leave you alone and they go and they're like, all right, we could do this. Are they just just wasting time and just standing around? Uh, It's kind of theater. They know what they're going to do. They're they're taught this process of extending out how far your loan goes because uh, consider a loan kind of like running a gauntlet. 
the old-fashioned punishment, which is, you know, people would line up on either side and somebody would run down the middle and they'd throw things at them or hit them with stuff or stab them with things, depending on how lethal the uh, punishment's supposed to be. But let's assume this is not supposed to be some sort of a lethal punishment, but you're running down a line of people who are all hitting you with clubs, right? And the clubs is interest rate. That's what you're paying to finance out that far. And the longer you finance, the more interest you're going to get hit with. The more clubs are going to be whacking you on this gauntlet, right? And they want to hit you as much as possible. So what they're doing when they go back there and they talk to their boss, air quotes, is they're just shifting around the payment amount and they're financing your vehicle out longer so that way they can collect more interest. And then they add on top of that more interest. It's kind of like you can't afford to buy a vehicle outright. So you have to take interest. So you have to run the gauntlet. But then they come along and go, you know what? We're going to add our own guys. We're going to add 50% more guys onto this um, line and we're going to make this line even longer. We're just going to stretch it out even more because we're going to overcharge the vehicle amount to start with and we're not going to give you the full price for your vehicle that you brought in. So it, they're doubling, if not more, the length that you have to run down and mount that you get beat. So hmm. to give you like a mathematical example, you buy your brand new vehicle, 20K, which is really low. And I was saying you, you end up at the end of the whole 60 month, you're paying right around $2,000 in interest over the, the five years. So let's say instead you were to buy a cheaper vehicle or you were to talk them down a little bit and you were to, let's say your trade-in, instead of being $4,000, you were to get them to say that it was worth $7,000 and you were able to talk down the price down from its outrageous over the SMRP to just below the RSP, and you were to talk them down another, I guess, $5,000? I, I don't know. I'm just ballparking it out there. Let's say you got it down the difference of $8,000. Not $8,000. You would talk them down $8,000. $12,000. So now you're paying $8,000 and post $20,000. And you were to shorten that same amount by having the same payment and not paying over the six months, you've cut down your interest rates, the amount of interest you've paid from $2,000 down to $100. So that's one twentieth. But I guess that's that's kind of a, all things included. You're not buying a brand new vehicle. You're getting more for your trade-in and you're talking down the price to what it should actually be. But th that's the idea is they get over 20 times the amount by doing all these tactics, by getting you to focus on just the little bitty things, not the whole thing together. But it doesn't stop there, Eric. They still have more ways to pad in more money. <laughs> of and course, why not? Bogus fees. They'll load on tons of bogus fees. Now, some of the fees are genuine. Take, for instance, if you're importing a vehicle or the vehicles get shipped in from out of state or something, they can put what they call a destination fee on there. But, the, you know, the names vary from thing to time to time and that sort of thing. That has to be included in the price tag. There's actually a lot of restrictions and regulations, the destination charge, and that can only be on new vehicles. You will never see one of these on an, a used vehicle. There is a destination or a delivery fee or that sort of thing. If you're not actually having the vehicle delivered, like I think all Teslas are delivered to your home. If you're not having the vehicle delivered to your home, 
then a delivery fee is bogus. There is a legal amount they can charge. You cannot charge more for a delivery fee if it is a very expensive car versus a very cheap car. All vehicles have a, you know, if it's an Italian car, all the Italian cars are all going to have a fixed amount for the destination fee. And I think it has something to do with hmm. tariffs and that sort of thing. And that's all included in the price tag. They have to disclose that one. That one's a, an actual legit fee. There's other ones like the inspection fee. That one's legit. Your sales tax and your title transfer. That's all sure. legit. Right. But then they start cramming in a whole ton of add-ons which are not. They'll put in things like outrageous document fee, which is the handling of documents. And sometimes they'll roll the title and taxes into this document fee. And then they'll just really ramp it up because they know, well, you know, it's the sales tax. It's, you know, not, it's non-negotiable. And so you say, well, okay, could you itemize that for me? Because they'll put it in something called document fee and roll all these fees together. And if you have them itemize them out, you'll see um, tax and then they'll have title and then they'll have you know administrational fees like well we, you mm. know we got to do the paperwork send stuff over to the bank the banks then got to send it back we got to do all this paperwork i guess to an extent that all makes sense but if they're charging like a thousand dollars or eight hundred dollars or something outrageous for paperwork handling that's that's bogus let me ask uh, you a question uh-huh knowing all this could you go down to a dealership and say i'm not going to pay any of these unnecessary fees can yeah. you actually tell them that and would they do it yeah um i'm pretty sure you could it depends on like how you bargain you would have to be pretty good at it so what you would have to say is you, you know you don't show your card too soon in it you go in you know what your vehicle that you're trading in is valued at you know what your interest rate is already in fact i wouldn't even i i don't use vehicle loans ever but if i was to use one i would not get one from a dealership i would get it through my own bank directly i see but i would know what my uh, auto uh, loan rate was going to be before i went in i would know what i could afford in a vehicle what my monthly payment could be you know because when you're saving up for a down payment on a vehicle you just see how much you can save and if you can only save 250 dollars a month putting towards that down payment well then obviously you can't afford more than $250 in a car payment after you buy it. You know, mm. you'd want to know a bunch of stuff like that. And then when you went in there, you wouldn't tip your hat or your cards or anything until you got down. They were talking at the very end. And then you would only say, you know what, this vehicle's over MSRP and all of these markups here are bogus. Mm. I'll tell you what I'll do. I like everything here except all of these extra fees and that sort of thing. So you, you'd kind of hit them all at once, I guess, with that. You don't let them bargain you down on what your vehicle was worth, I guess, when you bring that one. That would be the, the first thing when you bring in your... your sure, uh, sure. Or and some, there are some people that know the value of their car that they're going to yeah. trade in as well. So they're, they're probably already doing at least that part yeah you'd want to look it up on like kelly blue books and that sort sure. of thing where you traded it in and say you know i'm not going to trade it in unless it's kelly blue book price i'm not going to pay more than this vehicle's worth and then you have you keep yourself open to being able to walk away <laughs> or here's a very easy way that you can just get around all of this 
Uh-huh. There's a thing called an auto broker. Have you ever heard of it? No. So you've heard of those people who will get you out of those terrible home share things. You've heard people talk about like the, the home share exit industry, right? Home shares are such a bad financial um, thing that there's a whole industry where people make a full-time job at just getting people out of bad financial contracts. The okay. auto industry and the dealerships pack in so many fees, so many outrageous loan scams and that sort of thing. There is a whole industry called auto brokers who that is their job. You tell them what vehicle you want to buy and they'll go and get you the best price with no fees and that sort of thing. And they'll charge something like a flat fee somewhere between $400 to $800 to make sure that they do all the bargaining for you. So they're a professional who knows how to bargain. I, I don't even, I think that would be valuable for me just for them to bargain the value of the vehicle. I don't think I could sit across from a car salesman and actually bargain him down more than a professional. I don't think I could get the same price that a professional could get or at least be $400 within that. So I think a professional would be worth a $400 just for the bidding of <laughs> the vehicle price. But sure. then they also are the kind of person like, no, they've been through this whole rigmarole. They know all of these add-on fees are ridiculous. Like they're, I haven't even gotten to the insane fees. Like there's an anti-theft fee, which what that is, is they put these really cheap anti-theft cosmetics on your vehicle. Like they'll take one of the lug nuts out and they'll put in this special one that has a special little key on it. And they'll charge you hundreds of dollars for a little bitty lug nut that actually costs at most $25 for the whole set. And then they'll have nitrogen pumped tires. So they'll have 100% nitrogen in all your tires. And nitrogen has bigger molecules than oxygen. And so therefore it leaks out of tires slower and, so and it doesn't fluctuate as much in the heat. And it's just better for your tires. Well, here's the thing. The atmosphere is made up out of like 80% nitrogen. So the 20% difference in what could be oxygen and other gases is not worth the $75 fee for nitrogen filled tires. And then mm -hmm. the cosmetics and that sort of thing, like stain protections and that sort of thing. It's like a $9 can that you can buy at a hardware store and spray all over your fabrics on the inside of your vehicle for your fabric protector, really cheap stuff. And they'll charge a hundred dollars for it. And like the pinstripes and all that sort of stuff they add on the outside of the car. Sure. They charge hundreds of dollars for that and you could buy the exact same cheap pinstripe off of Amazon for like 25 bucks. All of these cosmetic uh, fees and the anti-theft fee and the, they have <laughs> a really dumb one here. Additional dealer markup. Hmm. Uh, you want to take a guess of what that is? It's called, they call it an ADM for short. And it's something that is actually pretty widespread in the industry. And most of what they're saying is this vehicle is in high demand. So we're going to charge more for it. Really? That's it? That's it. it they, they're just saying, you know what? We're going to, it's just that. An, an additional dealer markup. There's no rhyme or reason to it. The dealer just kind of felt like adding a few extra hundred dollars to your vehicle or maybe more. Even if so, that vehicle is not in like a popular demand, they could just uh, stick no, it onto think, any car. No, I think that they can't. I mean, I'm sure they can stick it onto any vehicle, <laughs> but I th don't think that they would. But anyway, and then it goes on and on like the a fee for the fuel that they put in the vehicle, or the fee that they put for like the mud flaps, the fee that hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of fees. And they add this on. And remember, all of this is being put into your loan, which they're then stretching out length of the loan further so you get hit with more clubs essentially with right. what it mounts to i think after this episode i'm i'm not gonna buy a brand new car anymore but what you could do is you could ju 
just get an auto broker. So if I was to buy a brand new vehicle, I would get an auto broker for sure. And I would spend all of my time not researching which vehicle I was going to get really, or what dealership I was going to buy from. I just research who's the best auto dealer, <laughs> the auto broker, who's the best auto broker and get myself a really good auto broker. And then obviously, if you're going to do a loan, you wouldn't want to finance through a dealership. You want to go to your own bank and you would want to put down the largest down payment that you could and you would want to pay it off as fast as you possibly could. Because very easy question, do you want your running the gauntlet to have more guys with clubs or less guys with clubs? Because all that you pay in interest, it has no value to you. You don't get anything mm -hmm. for that money that you pay in interest. Oh, I know. I know. It, it, you only get what you pay on the principal. You know, I don't even like these brand new model cars. Yeah. Like, I haven't liked any brand new car in probably about 10 years. The, the design of them are just kind of ugly. Yeah. And then also, like I was saying, on top of all of this, let's say you go there, you get the bad deal, you get the high interest, you get the outrageous deal on the MSRP, you get the extra fees, all of that stuff. You get your brand new car, you hop in it, you drive off the lot, and then over the next five years, you lose half the value in the vehicle anyway. Let me ask you something. Does the average car salesman know about all these bogus fees? Well, where do you think I learned about all of this? Former salesmen spilling all the beans on YouTube. There were like eight or nine of them that I watched. So so they're taught this when they get the job? Um, I Maybe not all of them, but... Um, or is it something I'm that sure they've that learned the... as long as they've been in the game? Well, it's, I think it's kind of like... You've worked at retail, right, Eric? Oh, yeah. It's kind of like when you get on the job, I'm sure that they don't have a massive amount of training. There's a lot of things that you pick up as you go along. I doubt that they... Like, okay, I'm going to teach you today skills of high pressure sales. <laughs> what they're told is they give they're given bonuses for the amount of fees that they can tack on, like sure. the warranties and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, and they get bonuses for that, and they get incentivized to do that, and then they teach them how to sell these things better. But as you get on in time, you start to get and see behind the scenes a little bit, and you start going, "Oh, well, this guy right, the guy that came in the other day, he got a really good discount. Why is that? Oh yeah, well he knew what he was doing, kind of a thing. And I then they see. figure, I see. And so you start to kind of see things and go wait a minute i understand how this works now boy we are fleecing people all over this is a scam <laughs> on a fleece on a i don't know what all but this is it's a scam within a scam and this all comes back to the fact that over 50 years ago there was some lobbyists in the vehicle manufacturers who didn't want to they wanted to get their vehicles out fast so they wanted there to be lots of dealerships to buy up their inventory that they were pumping out so they wanted to boost dealerships. So they made it so dealerships are the only way that you could buy a vehicle because they wanted to protect the local businesses when really all they wanted to do is get inventory out of the factory and, you know, money in to pay their workers and that sort of thing and to pay their, get their profits. And they really didn't care what the long-term consequences are. And then I'm sure politicians got a little bit of lobbying money and said, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And so now you have scummy dealerships because everybody knows the only way you can buy a new car is a dealership. You can't buy it from anywhere else. You have to go through a dealer. Oh, I forgot to mention a few other things that they rip you off with. Just a little, um, little extra thing. 
I just thought of is inventory. They pass along the inventory cost to you. All those vehicles you see setting out there on the lot cost them money. So that's why it's extra money that's charged to you is they've got to wash those cars. It's a huge amount of investment that they put into all of these vehicles and they're just sitting there on the lot not actually making any money right now. So they're going to up the price so that way they can justify having such a large lot full of cars. So when you see one of those big auto dealerships that are like, yeah, we have the biggest lot this side of the state. We have over these many acres of vehicles. Come out and see which one you want. Nah, the bigger, the bigger the lot, the more money they have to take from you to maintain that lot. A big lot is not a good idea. I see. A small, efficient lot would be better. So I suppose all this would be true even for like a small used car lot. Uh, I, yeah, I imagine so. Um, you know, Ford, best... Ford has their own used car lot. Uh, Chevy has their own used car lot. But like, what about those independently owned used car lot? Do you think they I would think be it... about the same? No, I think that it all, it, you get a wide variety there. It's just okay. like anything else at that point. You can find bad salesmen and good salesmen in every industry. It's just once you get away from the big box dealerships, then you get away from all of the extra add-on fees. I'm sure that some of the guys who open up their old, their mom and pop shop probably started out at a dealership. And so there's a few different people that, were, that would do that. Somebody's like, you know what? I can do all of this and then collect all of these fees for myself. And I don't have to send them up and then get a little bonus getting all these fees tacked on. I can just take all the money for the fees and they open up their own scummy little dealership. And it's just the same as a big dealership, except it's little. <laughs> but then there's other people who are like, this is you know, sandpaper to my soul. I got to go open up something that is ethical. I'm sure that there's one or two somewhere. I see. Buy from people. Don't buy from dealerships. Buy from yeah. people that have real souls and haven't sold it all to uh, the great corporations of the world. Mm. Thank you so much for listening to Bizarre Conspiracies. If you want to email me or Conrad, you can do so at bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. That's all one word, bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. And as always, we will catch you in the next episode.